What's going on, guys? In today's podcast, I'm going to discuss some fantasy topics here. Just I'm going to talk about some guys that haven't started the season all that well, or at least as much as or as well as I was expecting them to, and what we should do with these guys moving forward. Just so you know, the week three recap will be coming. Uh, Josh and I are going to record that immediately following the Monday Night Football game tonight. And we are going to have that on YouTube, everything else for you, all the podcast platforms. So I'm not sure when we'll drop the episode. And I mean, I, usually we don't have a lot of editing to do, so it should be dropped maybe tonight. But if not, probably by tomorrow morning. So I couldn't see it being any later than that. So, yeah, so I do have that coming. And um, anyways, let's get into this. So first guy I want to talk about is Robert Woods, right? Robert Woods has been incredibly disappointing incredibly frustrating in turn you know for for a guy to uh to be my fifth round pick right and a guy that i felt really good about getting in the fifth round and then to go out there and just not be great i mean in terms of production right he's just been he's been extremely underwhelming there's no sugarcoating it no way around it right but let me just preface this statement because i don't want to repeat myself with all these guys but in all likelihood, right? These guys that are starting slow, that you, especially the ones that you, the guy, I think all the guys we're talking about here were top five picks. I mean, one of them might have been a sixth or seventh round pick, but the point is, these are pretty highly invested in two guys, right? From where we drafted them. So all of these guys, I don't, I'm never a fan of selling low. It doesn't mean you can't trade them, it just means that you should not trade them at a, significant loss right if you if you have like zero optimism left with some of these guys like with robert woods for example and you're just like dude i just want him off my roster don't do it too low i mean because at the end of the day that's what this fantasy game is all about when do you see a guy start the first five games as the wide receiver one and then also be the wide receiver one over the last five games it's very rare very, very rare. Maybe maybe Travis Kelsey's been that guy at the tight end position, you know, at least a couple times in the last three, four years. But it's very rare. And the reason it's very rare is because this is a league of adjustments. Adjustments are made and then things change. It just happens, right? You guys have heard me talk about the word intent a lot. And, and um, intent to me is a very important part of fantasy football because it tells us what the team really thinks of said player, right? So in the case of Robert Woods, if you just look at intent, he makes more money per year than Cooper Cup. They sign those extensions at the same time, right? Like it was like one and then another right away. So, um, and to be fair, I think Woods signed his a, a few weeks later and that's just... I believe I'm remembering that correctly, but the point is they view Robert Woods at least as highly as they view Cooper Cup. So it's not like it's not like, you know, Cup is the clear wide receiver one. Now, should I have called him more of a one A, one B with Robert Woods? Yeah, sure, probably. I mean, so far he's clearly been the top guy. But let me give you some reasons for optimism for Robert Woods, okay? First off, the previous three years, reception totals have been 86, 90, 90. You know, he's been a model of consistency. That doesn't mean 
that he has produced every single week in those in those years, right? He has, however, had significant, uh, several significant stretches of better performances in terms of production, right? Like in terms of reception totals and stuff. You know who else has had that? Cooper Cup. In 2020, for example, Cup in weeks 2 through 11 was averaging over seven catches, 76 yards a game. Over the final five games, that was five and a half catches, 50 yards a game. So 26 fewer yards per game, you know, on average, almost two catches fewer. That kind of stuff has been normal. In 2019, we've seen, we saw Cooper Cup over the first eight games average about seven and a half catches for 90 yards a game. Over the final eight games, he was down to 46 yards a game. So literally half the production. And that was just over, you know, first half season, second half season. Robert Woods has had stretches where he's been underwhelming like this. But the one thing that has always happened in his in his history as a Ram under this exact regime and coaching staff and all that stuff is he's come back to be more involved. You know, there's no reason not to think Robert Woods will be more involved moving forward. Another piece of optimism, snap counts. Woods in week one, 77%, which is pretty low actually for him. Week two, 98%. That's probably, he, he probably came off the field once. And then in week three, 88%. He's going to be playing 80 to 90% of the snaps at minimum, right? Like he's, he's, he's their guy. The, in my opinion, the more we see Cup kind of doing his thing at this high level and Woods not really producing, the more likely it becomes for Woods to be producing at a higher level down the stretch. So back to my original thing with what I was trying to preface this whole thing with, it's okay to bench these guys if you, if you don't feel comfortable with them, but just don't sell low. Bench Woods in week four, whatever. You know, just don't don't give them away and let someone else have the better days that are to come for Robert Woods. And at least if you do, if you want to do that, at least do it to where you feel like you're getting legitimate value for it. Right. I just don't think it I don't think it's in the best interest of winning fantasy games for you to give Woods away at a value to your opponent. I think that's, you know, that's worst case scenario right now. When you have a guy that's coming out struggling, worst thing you can do is give him away for a lesser value player and then allow your opponent to get the better days of that guy, especially when it's someone that's been so consistent like Robert Woods. Okay. All right. So um, Allen Robinson, next guy I want to talk about. Robinson has been very underwhelming. Right, it's been it's been ugly. So yesterday we saw Justin Fields make his first start. I had high hopes. I thought Fields is going to come in there and basically make it be undeniable. I thought he was going to be undeniable in that he'd be the starter from here on out. I thought Allen Robinson would have a big game. Blah blah blah. None of that happened. Right, Robinson, you know, had one of his worst games of the season. I think that if Andy Dalton, let me just say this, if Andy Dalton is healthy and available in week four, he will be your starter in Chicago. And so 
if that happens, the only game Andy has started and finished this season, he targeted Allen Robinson 11 times, and that was against the Rams and likely a whole lot of Jalen Ramsey. Robinson did catch a touchdown in that game, but he was averaging like very, very low yards per reception. It was like seven yards a catch or something, but it doesn't matter. We know who Allen Robinson is, right? Allen Robinson is also in a contract year, so it, this is important to Allen Robinson, believe me. And he's still in his prime. If Dalton isn't ready, as much as I know that Justin Fields struggled yesterday and he, and he didn't look good at all. I mean, he he didn't even really have much mo- in terms of moments where he looked good. I refuse to believe that that's what we're going to see from here on out. With I, I think Fields will absolutely have better days. I mean, he, he was – it was bad. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and bash him, but it was a rough day. And – I think that he, to have better days, will have to get Allen Robinson the ball because he's their best player. You know, he is their best offensive player, period. Like there's, you know, it's just not position. He's just the man there. And yeah, he's he's going to have to, he's going to have to get more involved. And I think that it's it's very fair to assume that he will be more involved, right? Like, I mean, when have we not like when have we seen in Chicago Allen Robinson just not, you know just be a guy that's that's not involved in the past and we haven't seen that as a matter of fact look his last 2 years the guy's played all 32 games he caught 98 for 1147 and seven touchdowns in 2019 he caught um 102 for 1250 and six touchdowns in 2020 and um yeah, man, I just think that I just think that just like Robert Woods, better days are absolutely to come. And if you don't feel comfortable with Robinson in week four, that's fine. Bench him. But again, don't sell low. Because if you ask me right now to rank my receivers for the rest of the season, meaning week four on, Allen Robinson would at worst be in the top 15 or 16. You know, I, I really believe that. Like, yeah, I just believe that. I think he's too talented, too good of a player to not be, you know, a, a productive player. And I, I think it's just so weird what they've been doing with him. Like, they've been – he's been running these, like, a lot of short routes. Like, his his A dot is far lower this year than what it's been in, in – uh, yeah, it's 6.7 this year. Like, it's usually 9.6 and up. I think that – it's very likely again, maybe that was heavily influenced by the Jalen Ramsey, you know, week one game or whatever. Um, but ultimately, I think that if Justin Fields is playing, he's going to get better, which means Allen Robinson is going to be more involved. And if Andy Dalton is the starter for the rest of the season, then we've already seen the only game Dalton started and finished. He targeted A-Rob 11 times. Allen caught six of those. Oh, he didn't have a touchdown in that game, and he averaged only 5.8 yards of reception. But he had a touchdown early in the Cincinnati game before Dalton got hurt. And he dropped another one with Fields playing. So I'm disappointed in Fields' play. I do think it'll improve if he's the guy moving forward. And if Andy Dalton plays, I think you know what you're, you know, the floor of Robinson is much safer with Andy Dalton playing. But in any case, he's a top 16, maybe top 18 at worst. A solid wide receiver, too, moving forward, in my opinion. Um, next, guys, Jonathan Taylor. It's been rough 
for Jonathan Taylor, but it hasn't been rough from the st- standpoint that he's been like shut down, right? Like yesterday, if you look at his, you know, if you, if you just look at his fantasy point total, you would say, you know, he was, he didn't do anything, right? He averaged 6.4 yards a carry. He had 10 carries for 64 yards. You would have thought that in a game where the Colts really couldn't afford to lose, you would have thought with a quarterback with both of his ankles somehow sprained, you would have thought they would have leaned more heavily on their stud running back that is Jonathan Taylor. But that was not to be. That was not to be, right? Um, In the first two matchups of the season for Taylor, he had had Seattle and the Rams. So those were two incredibly difficult matchups, right, for anybody. And he still, against Seattle in specific – he played well against the Rams. He, you know, he wasn't so great, but he was still getting more of the a workload that he that he needs to be getting. And yesterday, the only issue was not giving him the ball enough. I don't think that will be an issue moving forward. As a matter of fact, I think that when the cold weather comes, and it's coming we will see a whole lot more of Jonathan Taylor. I mean, on the season, he's still averaging over four yards of carry. So it's not like he's been, he's been awful or something like that. Right. And he was targeted seven times in week one targeted three times yesterday. He's playing about 50% of the snaps on average, which is right in line with a guy like Nick Chubb. And I think that Taylor, his situation isn't quite as good as Chubb's in terms of like, you know, the offensive line's a little banged up and all that stuff. But I think ultimately it's still a good situation and one that if he's starting the season at 50% of the snaps, I think it's very likely that he finished that he's finishing, meaning he's in in your fantasy playoffs, he's up to close to 60% of the snaps. And he's probably playing better football down the stretch. Just because it's very common for teams to just run the ball better down the stretch you know it, it just it makes sense for a variety of reasons but i think that's very likely and i think the worst thing you could do is sell low on him as a matter of fact i'd buy low on him if, if possible because i can i guarantee you his fantasy owners are getting very worried with their first round pick but in any case i think jt will have much better days and i, de- I see it whereas the other guys like if you want to bench robert woods i get that you're going to bench Allen Robinson. I, I guess I get that. Don't bench Jonathan Taylor. I still view him as a must-start kind of player. I think that he is he is really flirting with, and it's coming, an absolute breakout, you know, 20-plus 20, 20 touches for whatever. And that game could very well be next week against Miami. I mean, Miami's a good defense, but I just think that, again, Jonathan Taylor is a must-start and a matchup-proof guy as evidenced by his week one game against Seattle, where he was, you know, against one of the better run defenses in football, he still had a pretty good fantasy day. So, yeah, I wouldn't bench him. I'd start him every week. All right. Kenny Galladay is the next guy I want to talk about. So Galladay, um, in his first two games of the season, which were, by the way, his first two games with Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, and he he missed a lot of games last year, so he was kind of – he wasn't really in – necessarily the the greatest football shape possibly but those two games came against denver in week one which by the way is the number one scoring defense in the nfl 
And then against Washington in week two, which in my opinion, despite their quote unquote struggles this season so far, is still a top five defense. I mean, he's put up a respectable four for 64 twice. Uh, yesterday being the second time against the Falcons. Uh, and he did so in week one against the Broncos. No touchdowns. If he would have caught just a touchdown in two of those games, his whole perception would be different right now. It's crazy how that works, right? And right now we're dealing with an injured Sterling Shepard and an injured Darius Slayton. I think that it was always likely for Galladay to become more involved in this Giants offense because, again, they're getting familiar playing with each other. And um, he just has to catch some more touchdowns, and I think that that's something likely to happen as well. Daniel Jones is playing pretty well. I mean, according to PFF and, and you know, uh, just how he looks to me, I, I think that Jason Garrett is either – one of two things is going to happen with Garrett. He's either going to get fired and they're going to, you know, promote someone else within that coaching staff for this season, or he's going to get better. I, I, I know one thing. Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman, especially Dave Gettleman, are – in positions where they can't afford to be super patient, right? You're 0-3, and that's devastating because you really should have beat the Falcons yesterday. You're 0-3 now. The offense has not been nearly as good as it should be considering the players you have. You've got Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, you've got talent. Daniel Jones, as I mentioned, is playing pretty well. You've got to play better. And if Jason Garrett's going to come out there and do shit that doesn't equate to points, whatever that may be, then I think he'll be fired. Because Gettleman especially, if this doesn't get better, he's going to be fired before the season's over. As much as I was featured on <laughs> freezing cold takes today for my take on Dave Gettleman a few years ago. And I still think that Gettleman's done a good job. I really do. I just think that coaching is so important, guys. It really is. I mean, if you don't have – like, look at look at Justin Fields. If he were in a situation with better coaching yesterday, I think – now, he played bad. But I think he would have looked a little bit better at least. Like, I don't think there's any chance, for example, that Trey Lance comes out looking like Justin Fields did yesterday. You know, he was – Fields was routinely late. He was taking sacks. He was holding the ball. He was inaccurate. It was it was a mess. But I think at least some of that is because of coaching. Now, I'm not willing to go where the crazy people on Twitter go, whereas, like, he would have been Mahomes if not for Matt Nagy. On Justin Fields' Wikipedia bio thing or whatever, it literally says, fire Matt Nagy on it. And I'm assuming that was... That was probably edited yesterday, I would imagine. But anyways, getting off of the tangent here. But the point is, I expect the Giants offense to at least improve a little bit. And I also believe very strongly that Kenny Galladay is their best pass-catching weapon. And so it makes a ton of sense for a guy that's not used to playing for this team and with, this, with these players and quarterback – it makes sense for him to get better as the season goes on. So what I would do, 
again with him if you're not um if you're not confident on him in week four and i and i totally don't blame you if you're not i would just bench him right but but keep him don't do anything crazy you know and i think that right now if you were to try to trade kenny galladay you'd pretty much get nothing in return so i think the best thing the best course of action bench him keep him see what happens all right miles sanders the next guy i want to talk about so miles sanders is playing tonight obviously his snap percentage over the first two weeks 66 percent in week one 67 percent in week two guys if that just stays the same he'll finish right around the top 10 and snaps played you know i think that you get that guy in the fourth round in a in what should be i think a pretty decent offense moving forward and in what it has been really a decent offense so far i think that um that will be you know you you'll return value there on that fourth round pick now in that time he's carried the ball 15 times in week one and 13 times in week two he's averaged over 4.2 yards to carry in both games he also caught four passes for 39 yards in week one that's basically 10 yards per reception week week two we only had one one catch but um again similar to galladay except for far more optimistic I, I, I should say about sanders if he was scored a touchdown or two we'd have a totally different perception of him, right? I mean, he's, in my opinion, he's like, I went running back, running back, running back, running back in the league that Josh and I play in. And I went with Miles Sanders in the fourth round because I just felt like he was the best value available. And that's why. But I could see myself if Jonathan Taylor, <clears throat> you know, or Antonio Gibson has a tough matchup and, and you know, a week where – maybe a couple week, more weeks go by and I'm not so confident in them. I could see myself just starting Sanders and Swift because that's my other running back, you know, at the, at the running back spots, because I think that Miles Sanders is going to be a really good player, fantasy player this season moving forward. And I think he's been a pretty good one already. Again, I think it's likely that those snap percentages increase rather than decrease because I, I just think he's a lot better than Kenneth Gainwell. So to me, it's evidence when we see him on the field, like his, his ability to make guys miss and create yards on his own is special. It really is. So um, I think that Miles Sanders is, uh, is absolutely an, a high-end, mid-range, I would say mid-range RB2 moving forward, and I think he should, he should not be sold low on. If anything, again, buy low on that guy, but I think he'll play better. All right, last guy I want to talk about is, um, well, one of the last guys, Miles Gaskin. Gaskin, I think, he, so he's playing about 55% of the snaps on average. He's been 52% or more in each game. He's averaging five yards a carry, and he's averaged five yards a carry in each game. And he's been targeted five or more times in each game. <laughs> right, so yesterday, I believe, was a season high with 16 touches. I think Gaskin... And I think the Dolphin offense, similar to the Giants, like they have to get better, right? It's It would be almost inconceivable for them to get worse, right? They have to get better. And I think they will get better. I think they're a well-coached team. They're now one and two, so they're in a little bit of a hole, right? And so, I mean, they lost to Buffalo, and Buffalo now has a, uh, what is it, a game lead on them or whatever, game and a half, I guess. And so... I think that their offense has to get better, and I think it will. Especially, you know, Tua should be an upgrade over Jacoby, and he should be coming back in the next couple of games. I think it's I think he's out for a 
two or three games or whatever it is, the the short-term IR spot. But, yeah, man, I think Gaskin absolutely has his best days in front of him, and I think that was evidence yesterday. Um, if I spent a fifth-round pick or whatever it was on Miles Gaskin right now, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty optimistic. I'm maybe more so than some of these other guys. I'm I'm optimistic, and when I say more so, I'm talking about the short term. I mean, Jonathan Taylor I'm very optimistic about, but like the other guys, I could see you wanting to bench them next week or whatever. Maybe not Miles Sanders. I think Sanders I'm also optimistic about. But the point is, Miles Gaskin to me is a guy I would feel comfortable starting in week four. Okay, there's three other guys I want to talk about real quick. And these guys, before yesterday, had all of us concerned. And that was uh, James Robinson, Clyde edwards Lair, and of course, Saquon. Saquon is a product of an offense with, you know, the dis- the best way I can describe or criti- criticize <clears throat> the Giants offense is that Jason Garrett doesn't put his players in the best position to succeed. That would be the one, like, real knock on him. And so yesterday, Saquon still had 22 touches for 94 yards and a touchdown on 86% of the snaps. That was a season high, by the way. And I think he was like 85 or 84% in week two. So that, that's been, you know, he's back and, and he's a full go of it. Clyde edwards Lair yesterday had 19 touches for 109 yards, 100 yards rushing, had a receiving touchdown. And believe it or not, that was his season low of 62% of the snaps. So he's played at least 62. He's been in the 70s. I believe it was 73% one of the games. So Clyde is being, in terms of used, right, like being on the field, as a feature back in Kansas City. And thank God for us Clyde owners, he played well yesterday. He had what, what I would consider basically a mini breakout game. You know, and then James Robinson, another guy that's been getting the snap 63%, 73%, 59%. Well, yesterday it finally translated to production. He had 21 touches, 134 yards, and a touchdown. <clears throat> James Robinson's carries per game have went from week one, five, week two, 11, and then yesterday in week three, 15 carries. By the way, he's averaging 5.2 yards per carry. So he's been efficient as hell he caught every target yesterday and he just needs the ball more you know kind of like i don't know jonathan taylor i think clyde brazilaire could could be put in that category as well where he's been efficient just has to have the ball more but in the case of clyde he clearly took a huge step forward yesterday he looked more explosive he looked more decisive he looked more confident the fumble happened but he found his way back onto the field and he found his role you know and he played well so, <clears throat> so for those guys, I'm pretty optimistic after what we saw yesterday. Saquon wasn't efficient necessarily, but he, he was on the field a whole lot and he was getting a whole lot of touches. So from that standpoint, I think we should be, you know, slightly optimistic with him moving forward as well. Because again, that Giants offense just has to get better. So anyways, guys, that's what I've got for you. The last thing I want to say, and I, I just want to hammer this home, don't sell low on these guys. You're not confident in them, I get it. Just bench them, but keep them on your roster unless you absolutely have to sell them and only sell if you are confident that you're getting better. Don't just get mad and get them off your roster because you're pissed and you don't want to look at them anymore. <laughs> like, do everything you do should be to field a better team. Like, just keep that kind of robotic mindset of like, 
does this gonna is this gonna this is this move going to equate to more fantasy points scored? You know, that's kind of I know that's obvious, but it's also like good to kind of like check yourself on on your decisions with that kind of just blatant logic. So, anyways, I will uh, see you guys again soon. Peace.